0: Good morning. It's good to see everybody here, and I hope you got a bulletin as you came in. Let me begin this morning again, if we can, as we prepare our hearts to read the silent meditation that is there in your bulletin. It comes from the Gospel of John. Listen to this As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. It is our prayer this morning that when you leave this place, your joy will be made full. Let me call us to worship if you'll stand together with me. So on page 876, we're doing questions 92 and 93. I'll read the question if you'll join together with me the answer. Question 92. What is the sacrament? A sacrament is a holy ordinance instituted by Christ, wherein by sensible signs, Christ and the benefits of the new covenant are represented, sealed, and applied to believers. Which are the sacraments of the New Testament? The sacraments of the New Testament are Baptism and the Lord's Lord's Supper. Supper. We'll be sharing those later on in the service this morning. Now if you'll turn to page 845 if you need it. It's not the actual confession. It's the Nicene Creed. But it's one of those documents handed down and used for many, many centuries by the church. And as we come to confess our faith here this morning in Jesus Christ and celebrate in the Lord's Supper, it is an opportunity for anyone who's made a profession of faith. If you follow Jesus Christ, respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It is the opportunity for you to come and commune and to have your faith strengthened. But what is it that we confess together? And so, Church, I ask you, as we confess together, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty. Maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Just remain standing and pray with me together. You'll see in your bulletin as we confess our sins together as we come before the Lord. You'll see it on the inside of the bulletin. What a blessing that we can come together as a body and sharing together before the Lord. Pray with me if you would. O God of peace, we have built up walls to protect ourselves from enemies but those walls also shut us off from receiving your love. Break down those walls Help us to see that the way to your heart is through the reconciliation of our own hearts with our enemies. Bless them and us, that we may come to grow in love for each other and for you. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. And throughout the scriptures, as you know, there are so many places that we come to know that we have been forgiven, that we have received the grace and mercy that we need. Here we find the assurance of pardon in Acts chapter 10. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. It is our prayer that it is in his name that you experience the power of that blood. It is so good to be back and thank you for the music and the team. And I know Sarah has mentioned that her and several others are... Putting together some opportunities for the Christmas music and some choirs and opportunities for children and even adults to sing. And so, please, uh, as they announce those times, step up and help us and be a part of some of the ministry to help celebrate Christmas and the wonderful birth of Jesus Christ. Now, this morning, if you're following along, I want to take you on a journey on what life is this? Now, where does this come from? 1 John chapter 5, we've talked about what salvation is this and what love is this, and we're getting down to the last little bit, and I didn't want to take the whole section in one, and so I want to take a brief section today to deal with one of the hottest topics or interpretations, trying to figure out what John is writing to us, when in a nutshell, I'll tell you up front, he's talking about the witness of eternal life. He's talking about the opportunity for you to be able to experience the life that he's been explaining in the last several chapters. So I'm going to take you on a journey here in 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 6, where he speaks about the testimony concerning the Son of God. The question that many were probably asking, along with those that had seceded or went out from them, was you need to be in Jesus Christ. You need to have a life that lasts forever. You need to be in a relationship that's going to have benefits. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to know the truth. You need a life that only comes from Jesus. And so the response to those that would be outside would say, well, what kind of life is this? I challenge you this morning to see the benefit of this life that John speaks about. It begins in verse 6 where he says this. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is truth. The truth. For there are three that testify the Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that He has borne concerning His Son. What is that? It is that whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have Life. I want to challenge you this morning on several things, but before I do, it won't make any sense unless I interpret for you one of the trickiest sections of Scripture. If you're reading from an older text or a King James text, you have some verses in your text that many people don't have. Now, let me just quickly say, so that you'll understand how it works. Throughout history, we have hundreds and hundreds of manuscripts that we have found with the Bible. As time goes on, we find scripts, some older than others, but as time has gone on, we have found manuscripts that are older than any other manuscripts we have. Now, not to give you a whole history lesson, but folks, we want the texts that are the oldest. Why? Closest to the time of when they were written. Now, we don't have the originals. One of our oldest fragments, the Ryland's fragment, the section of John, dates clear back into those early first centuries. But folks, what we're looking for is the most accurate text. And one of the things that has been in the King James that is not in yours is down there in verse 7 and 8. I don't have it before me because we don't have it, but it says there are three that bear witness, the word, the water, and the blood, and these three are in agreement. That's what your text says. Now, for those of you in the King James, there's an entirely different section. You might ask yourself, well, why does my Bible have a whole nother verse added in? And I want to give you that quick answer before I expound on the text. That verse and that expansion has not been found in any of the early texts at all. It crept in an old Latin text from an old Latin person that has actually deemed it many times a heretic or agnostic. And as he began to write those texts and it began to get infiltrated, some of the early writers wrote that because people wanted it in there. But we cannot find that in any of our old texts. So my point to you is it doesn't change the text at all. It doesn't expand the further knowledge of the text at all. But if you're here this morning reading from the King James, you have an extra little section there that others of you might have in a footnote of your Bible that explains why they're gone. The point is it's not changed, and here's what it says. There are three that testify, verse 7, the Spirit, the water, and the blood And these three agree. How will we ever know what kind of life we're going to live or supposed to live if we don't understand what he's testifying for? What is he testifying to? What kind of life is it that they're bearing witness of? And it's right here in such a depth. It's an amazing amount of information. And so I chose to focus on just this instead of trying to finish the whole book. Because what is it that the three bear witness? There are all kinds of things out there over the years. You have heard people say, Well, that word and the water and the blood, you know, that that just symbolizes our natural birth and our spiritual birth. But folks, that doesn't make sense to a historical context or how it through it came and how it bear witness. How does being born of the water, a human birth and a spiritual birth, bear testimony to who Jesus is, historically what he's accomplished, and to the truth of the Spirit? That's hard to accept. There are those that have actually gone on in history and have said, well, it's a reference to the sacraments. That when we speak about the water and the blood, we're speaking about the drink that goes along with it or the baptism, the sacrament. And we're talking about the Lord's Supper, the blood, the sacrifice, the communion that goes with it. But again, it doesn't bear witness to a complete testimony of what Christ has done and to a life that is lived just through those sacraments. So where do we come when it says, well, what in the world does this mean? What kind of life is this that bears witness with the water, the blood, and the spirit? I hope to take you on a journey to explain that and simply by saying this. Many would say today, and I would agree, that it goes a whole lot deeper than one easy answer. It goes to the point where many have accepted and began to research and realize that the water is a representation of the historical acts of Jesus, where the Holy Spirit has bear witness to him. It is through the testimony that he comes to bear witness to us of what is necessary. And it would be a reference to what John has many times said in his gospel, to the baptism of Jesus Christ. Now bear with me for a moment. If we take that as the baptism, we can take the blood as the crucifixion, the death of Jesus Christ. Which means that the life that we're supposed to live can be born testimony to be in the likeness of the one who was baptized, in which the Spirit descended and bore witness to him and his Father spoke, clear up and through his crucifixion, in which his death is the exchange that takes place to give us life. Which would go completely in historical context because the cessationists were the ones that were saying that what happened is when Jesus was baptized, he received the Spirit, but then the Spirit went back to God before he was crucified, and so it was just a man on the cross, and it wasn't dealing with the Spirit at all. So in a nutshell, I could say to you, let me read this with an interpretation that may make sense. Verse 6, this is he who came by baptism And crucifixion, Jesus Christ, not by the baptism only, but by the baptism and the crucifixion. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. There are three that testify, the Spirit for the baptism and the crucifixion. And these are in agreement. If we receive the testimony of the men, then we would receive God's. It is even greater, for this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. In other words, it is the life that we're supposed to have that's depicted in and through the life of Jesus Christ that just as his life in baptism through the crucifixion is so our life through obedience and baptism up until the point that we have been crucified with Christ. And so what is this life that you're talking about? I challenge you to a depth of thinking this morning, not just a superficial reading. I'll tell you what kind of life it is. It's authentic. It's real. And if you don't have the truth, you don't have the life. There's no eternity for those who miss it. So follow along with me. How can I put this in points for you? First and foremost, what kind of life is this? It's the life that results from an exchange. What exchange am I talking about? I'm talking about because it says here in the text that it is the water and the blood. It begins at the crucifixion, not at the baptism for us. We're not baptized, if we wish to say, and are fully obedient. We're baptized in covenant promises. But for many of us, it starts with this crucifixion, a life of exchange. You'll never experience the Christian life if you don't understand what happened at the cross that Jesus had to completely fulfill the plan that was set before him. He had to obediently take it all the way to the end. He even prayed at times, if there be any other way. Lord, receive my spirit. Oh, the challenge set before us is the same thing. As we look at the testimony of this life, how many of you are going to the end? I could jump ahead and say, well... This life of exchange. I don't mind being baptized. We'll look at that in a minute. I don't mind going to church, but you're asking me to give up entirely. Well no, I'm not Jesus said it this way. You must pick up your cross, what? Daily. Do you see, it's the matter of testimony to the blood that you're willing to give your life just as Jesus gave his life for you. It's the exchange that took place on the cross. Why? Because he gave his life in exchange for what your life represented. He's the one that took on your sins. He gave you his righteousness. He took your unrighteousness when he gave you that perfection of his life. He took the way to satisfy all that God demanded when you were unsatisfactorily in a relationship with God. Do you see, what you must understand is that the Christian life is a life of exchange, your life for His. He gave you His life. Now Romans 1 would simply say it this way, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present yourself a what? A living sacrifice. You see, the text that John is talking is not different from his gospel. It's not different from his writings in Revelation. It's the same writer who is saying the Christian life is an in-depth life. It's the life that begins with an exchange, that he is now coming from heaven so that you can go to heaven. He is now coming to earth so that you can leave earth. Do you see we have it all right here, that he has experienced hell so that you could experience heaven. Do you see, it's the exchange that takes place. If you're here this morning and you don't understand that God has testified through His Son that your life must be a life that has been exchanged if you're still living for yourself. You're still patterning your life after the things you desire and the things you want. You're reaching retirement years. Let's look at it honestly. You're starting to put together and wrap up all the things that you ever hoped to receive, gain, and achieve as if you're ultimately living to gain your goals, not his. Just where are you in the life of exchange? Have you truly been sacrificed? Have you been crucified with Christ so that it is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you? What kind of life is this, the testimony that Jesus bore to us Was it was a life that at his baptism, through his crucifixion, and testified to by the Spirit of God, that there is no other life that leads to eternity? What life is this? It's the only life that takes you to His presence. It's the life of exchange. You must exchange with Jesus Christ. He died you, in your stead, in your place. Yes, by that exchange, he has taken the penalty of death. He has taken the penalty of the guilt, and he has allowed you to be freed, to continue living, and to bring glory to him. Oh, as those people would ask John, oh, all these things, what kind of life is this? It's a life that's the result of an exchange at the cross. It's the testimony of blood. But it's not just a life that's been exchanged. Let's take it a little bit farther back to the baptism. It is also a life that's resulted in change. It's not that you've exchanged life, but now it's a changed life. You could go to Romans chapter 6 and read it consistently along with everybody else who has read Romans chapter 6, to see what happens in your life. We already said in Galatians 2.20, as I have been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, I live through Jesus Christ. There are hundreds and hundreds of scriptures that we could go to, but what is the changed life? What is the life that he's talking about? Yes, I understand my life must have the exchange with Christ. It must be my life hidden in his. Colossians chapter two. Our lives have been hidden in Christ. And when Christ is revealed, we too have been hidden in Christ. We too will be raised together with Him. Do you see it's the exchange that took place that now results in a life that is also changed. You are not the same. If you're doing the same things you've always done, you're not authentic. If you're still living for yourself instead of for Christ, you're not authentic. If you're still trying to please yourself rather than the things of Christ... You're not authentic. You see, John begins to wrap it together here at the end, and there's no punches being pulled. It's the matter of truth, the truth. Listen to what it says in 1 John. For there are three that bear witness. It's the word, the water, and the blood, and the spirit. And the one who testifies because the spirit is the truth. It's the article that is there. It's not just saying it's a truth that you can behold. It is the truth. It is testified to this life that is exchanged and to the life that has now been changed. Let me ask you before I go further, has your life changed? Are you different or do you look just like the rest of the world? Here's what Romans 6 says, a testimony to the water, the baptism. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who've died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? There's no separation from the moment of obedience of baptism to the time of the crucifixion and the death. You were baptized not just to say you go to church. You were baptized to say it leads to death. It leads to the sacrifice of the old self. To the putting on of the new self. Colossians 2.10. For we were buried therefore with him in baptism unto death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead. By the glory of the Father we too would walk in newness of life. Isn't that amazing? That if we understand what this life is. It's a life that results in exchange. That Jesus Christ took your place. He came from the portals of heaven. So that you could continue to live a life that would be rewarded in what he deserved, in what he earned. But it also results in a life that is now changed. You cannot live the old life and claim to be authentic. John simply says their testimony is against you. Oh yes, you can be baptized, get wet. I heard one priest one time tell the story of the guy that was in the service the catholic service and i said well how did it go he wanted to see the baptism he said jerry it really wasn't that much different until the priest got up to speak about it and i said well what did he say that was different he said jerry i followed it until he said by baptizing this child this child now slides right through the gates of heaven to the presence of jesus oh if i could have stopped been there and said you know the bible testifies against you The Bible does not say that baptism saves you. Baptism is the covenant promise, the relationship of God's mark. It's the sacrament that says the blessings are placed upon you and that you get all the rewards that come if what you say you have done is true. But if what you say you've done is not true, you get all the cursings that go with it instead because it's not a life that's been changed You see, it dates back to the time of circumcision. I could go on and on and on, but it was back in circumcision in which the little boys could ask the other boys, the parents, when they saw them out playing, why am I different? Well, because we placed the mark of Christ on you. Actually, we placed the mark of covenant on you. So you carry with you the marks, the covenant, to remind you That if what those marks symbolize are true, you get all the blessings that come with it. But if what those marks symbolize is not true, it reminds you, you get all the curses that come with it instead. Because as the testimony of John simply says, you either have this life if you believe, or you do not have this life. The blessing is the life that we have in Christ. The cursing is there is no life without it. To understand authentic living and the testimony of Christ, you're here this morning because your life has been exchanged with Christ. And now your life has been changed by Christ. You are no longer the same. Your obedience is to serve the Master. Your obedience is to glorify Christ. Your obedience to follow what His will is. It's the mark of what Jesus said in obedience when the Father spoke from heaven. And the Spirit testified the truth. This is my beloved Son. In whom I'm what? Well pleased. Is that the mark of your life? Can God speak from the portals of heaven today through the testimony of the Holy Spirit in your heart to say you are my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. Well, not really, Pastor. I'm still kind of living the old life, still trying to satisfy the old desires, still trying to find satisfaction in the way the world wants me to have it. Still got all my goals that are set for myself and for my own families. Not doing a whole lot for the kingdom. The truth of it is, I feel like I'm all caught up in this world and I'm loving the world more than I love him. Well, let me remind you, you can't serve two masters. You love one and what? Hate the other. Let me rephrase John's words. You either love him, believe in him, and have life. Or you hate him, don't believe in him, and don't have life. There is no middle ground. It's a life that is exchanged with Christ. It's a life that has been changed by Christ. And let me say this quickly. It is now a life that has been rearranged because of Christ. Is because when Christ ascended from the grave, He told us He would send the Holy Spirit, the Helper. It's what rearranges our entire life. It changes how you live, what you accomplish, how you treat other people. It changes your character, your traits, your vocabulary. Isn't it amazing that when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, it testifies no different than this is the testimony, this eternal life that is in His Son. This is the testimony of the Spirit that is the truth. And it's greater for this concerning all that he is born. And whoever believes in the Son of God has this testimony. Oh, the Spirit didn't just come to Christ at baptism, the Spirit also came at Pentecost. The Spirit also comes to indwell every person who's drawn to Christ.
1: Do you realize you cannot be
0: saved and say you don't have the Spirit? That's false testimony. There are no Christians without the Spirit of God. There's no special anointings, special unctions, special blessings. If you say that, then you have to say God is a liar. For if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is even greater. And whoever believes in the Son of God has this testimony. Whoever does not has made him... A liar. Let me ask you what John is saying in a nutshell. Has your life been exchanged? Have you come to the foot of the cross? Have you let Jesus pay the price for you? Do you believe that God sent him to be your Savior? Has your life been changed? Have you been baptized? Have you followed in obedience the covenant promises, the sacrament? Are you filled with the testimony from God, the Holy Spirit, that bears witness to the truth of his word and to what's in your heart? You see, in a nutshell, all the words that make it sound so hard here are simply just saying, What kind of life is this? When you're speaking to those who are outside, it's when all of a sudden John changes the moment and he begins to talk about us. He begins to put it to the Christians. This is what we have. Let me tell you what this life is. Jerry's life is different because he's had to exchange it. It's not about Jerry anymore. It's not about his preaching. It's not about his leading. It's not about him as a pastor. It's not even about him as a father, and it's not even about him as a son. The life is not about Jerry. It's not about his recognition. It's not about what people think of him or don't think of him. To think of a little less of yourself is still thinking of yourself. That's not humility. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not thinking of yourself. That's why humility comes at the cross, It's when you stop thinking about your life and start living His life in you. The baptism, it's the change. I don't need baptism. It doesn't save us. I don't understand why we need to be baptized, and I don't either. I don't think it washes away my sins. Sometimes it's cold. Sometimes it's not enough. Whether you've been sprinkled, poured, or immersed, or all three... It doesn't save you. But it is the sign of the testimony of what God's asked of you. As Jesus was baptized and the testimony of the water began the journey unto the testimony of the crucifixion. If you're here this morning and you've never been baptized, I can challenge you in God's word to say you probably have never experienced complete change. There's something miraculous about obedience. And then I could say to you, has your life been rearranged? The proof of a life rearranged is the simple passage of Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit is what? You could say them. Go ahead. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, or faithfulness, and self what? Control. Do you see? That's the change that comes about only because of the Spirit. It's not worldly people that are good natured. How many times have you heard someone say, "Man, please pray for them. They're caught up in all kinds of things, but deep down in, they're really a good person." That's false testimony. There is none that is good. There is none that is righteous. If you don't have the spirit, you don't have true testimony. You don't have the truth. And you're trying to live a life that you don't have the ability to live. You don't have the life that's been rearranged. Think about all that Christ has done. Think about how the Holy Spirit allows us to understand the things the world doesn't. Their foolishness to them. To overcome and be conquerors in the situations that others Fail to be able to testify to those truths, to have someone who can pray for you and groan for you even when you don't know what to say, to bring you into the presence of God. Oh, I'll tell you the biggest rearrangement in my life is when John 14, 26 says that, hey, the Father and I will come and make our home in your heart. Oh, what a change. How much rearranging had to be done. Because for most of us. We believe in Christ. And we accept Christ. And we place him in a small corner of our heart. And we let him stay there. While the rest of it functions. Like normal. And we think that's authentic. John says if you don't have the testimony of the water, the baptism, the blood, the exchange, the cross, or the truth, the Holy Spirit, then you're not authentic. The authentic Christian life, exchanged, changed, and rearranged. And finally let me just briefly say as we prepare our hearts it's now a life that is estranged. Jesus said the world hates me. It's also going to what? Hate you. You can't be friends with the world. You can't have it both ways. You can't claim to be committed to Christ. And stay committed to the world. There's no lukewarm. We have to set our minds on the things of the Spirit, not on the things that are below. You see, a life that is estranged is because you find yourself in a world where you seemingly don't fit. Because the world is carrying on with the things the world wants. And you've been asked to take a stand for Christ. You've been asked to stand up and make a difference How do we know that? Because you were asked to be salt, you were asked to be light, you were asked to be fruit. The true testimony of the one whose life has been exchanged and has been changed and rearranged because they live in this world being estranged, separated from the sinful ways. A life that is estranged finds one answer. Paul writes it this way. I press on to the upward call of Christ Jesus. Oh, I may be hated by the world. I may be set aside and deemed foolish. But I will not deny the truth. My life Has been exchanged. And my life has been changed. The whole thing's been rearranged. And now I feel estranged. I feel estranged. But I'll press on. To the upward call. In Jesus Christ. Because whoever. Has the son life that's what kind of life this is let's pray heavenly father thank you that you have given us your son jesus christ that your holy spirit has drawn us in and convicted us father we understand righteousness and truth we understand sin our waywardness Father, as your son followed in obedience, help us to follow in obedience. As your son was faithful to the point of death, let us be willing to lay down our lives for others. And as the Holy Spirit so equipped him, in the moment that he would return, he could say, Father, here's your Holy Spirit. Father, receive us into your presence. Encourage us, sustain us, and equip us that we too would not be caught up in the love of the world. We would be in the world, not of the world. But we would not be on the fence. That we would press on to this upward call, to this life in your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask if the officers would come down who are helping this morning with the Lord's Supper. And if you're here with visiting with us, I invite you to take this morning. If you've made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, you may not be a member of this church, but if you're a member of a church that's in good standing, upholds the doctrines of the keys of the kingdom, preaches the truth, ministers discipline in the sacrament that's been fended, I invite you to come. I invite you to come not because your life is perfect. I invite you to come because we realize it's through the sacrament. That we're able to say the same thing the disciples said. And that was this. Lord increase my faith. That we might feed upon Jesus Christ spiritually. If you're not authentic. Then this means nothing to you. If you're not authentic. This does nothing. For you. The sacrament does not save us. The sacrament does not prepare us. The sacrament feeds. Those of us who belong to Jesus. I invite you. As we begin to pass out to take. That if you have made a profession in faith. Please take and hold one. So that we may all take together. Go ahead. While they are passing it out. Please prayerfully just listen. I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks he broke it and he said this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let each person examine themselves. And then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body. Eats and drinks judgment on himself. While they're passing this out, bear with me. I want to lead you in a chorus. I want you to pray. And then I want you to join me in just a moment. If you received it, just bow your head and pray. He became sin That knew no sin That we might become His righteousness He humbled himself carried the cross, love so amazing, love so amazing, if you know that chorus, sing it with me, Jesus Messiah, name above all. Blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah. Take just a moment as we pray. Heavenly Father, you did become sin. Through your son, Jesus Christ, you sacrificed on the cross for us that we could have the exchange. We give you the praise and glory, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. The table, said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me do this in remembrance of an exchanged life let's see as they begin to pass these out if you would please take one and hold it until we can take together in the meantime let me finish reading in the same way they took the cup after the supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. The writer of Hebrews tells us that without the shedding of blood, there would be no forgiveness of sin. He entered once for all into the holy place, not by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. For if the blood of the goats and the bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctified for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Be in prayer again and listen. His body, the blood breath, The blood, His wine Broken and poured Out all for love The whole earth trembled The veil was torn Love so amazing. Love so amazing. Sing it with me. Jesus Messiah, name above all names, Blessed Redeemer. Amen. Messiah Lord of Heavenly Father we thank you that it would be his blood spilled for us poured out on us that we would be cleansed and made righteous in your sight it's in his name we pray Amen. He said this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you as often as you do this do this in remembrance of me Do this in remembrance of a life that's changed. Let's take it. Heavenly Father, we surrender. Crucify us at the foot of the cross. Crucify the sinful nature. Cleanse the guilty conscience. And increase our faith. In Jesus' name I pray you receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you peace. And all God's children said, Amen. have a great Lord's day.